Psalm chapter 19 this evening. Psalm chapter 19. I told uh, Joel this morning, I said, uh, I guess the sound guys were taking bets on how far over I was going to go. If y'all want in on that, I think they, uh, no, just kidding. But uh, anyway, they were taking bets on how far over I was going to go this morning. And I told him, I said, I wasn't paying any attention to the clock because I was determined we was going to finish this parable. We were not carrying it over to Sunday night again. And so I just didn't look and just gave on preaching. But uh, anyway, we'll be in Psalm 19 this evening. I wonder before we get into the message, uh, if anyone has a blessing, God has been good to you, God's blessed you, God's been good to you in some way, and you just want to praise him this evening. Anybody at all just want to give God glory real quickly for something he's done in your life? Brother Colin? Amen, amen. Praise the Lord. Watches over us all the time. Anyone else? Jake? Yeah, yesterday, uh, check engine light came on Mikhail's car. Uh, I'd already spent money fixing my truck. Of course, you bought the car. And I said, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to pay for this. Sent Robbie a text about it, and there's a recall on it. I won't have to pay a dime. Amen. 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 Thank the Lord for that. Amen. Anyone else? Anyone else? Miss Joe? Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. You never know what you might find in the Bible. <laughs> Look, everybody opening the Bibles. <laughs> Anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody else? Amen. Amen. We've been praying that for, for that for a while. Amen. Miss Jen? Um, yesterday, my family was able to meet up in several different states in Baltimore. And uh, through one of my cousins, deep research, come to find out that one of the ships that stopped in, in a harbor in Baltimore, my uh, great-great-grandfather was the first captain of that ship. Oh, wow. Um, so we were able to meet there and have this tour. And it was just um, a wonderful time just to be together with my family since I didn't get to see them. Um, at my brother's funeral or anything, and um, just continue, please continue praying for their salvation. Amen. Amen. Thank the Lord for that. Keep praying for them. Amen. Anyone else? God's been good to you, and you just want to share it. Miss Heather? Um, things were happening with my cousin Katie over in Washington State, and she has also moved back to Pennsylvania. So, this is my family's moving back. And then they their message and we were here next to said, no, we're not. <laughs> Amen. Glad they were able to get that taken care of. Amen. Amen. All righty. But Warren, go ahead. Yeah, I just traveled 2,400 miles. And if you travel to interstate, you know you're risking your life or something. Amen. Amen. Thank the Lord. For, thank the Lord for watching over Brother Warren, seeing him safely up north and back. Brother Rick. I have a new great. Granddaughter, 
Amen. Amen. That's your soul. Well, Kenny. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Keep that grass growing. Amen. Thank you all. Keep praying for Brother Kenny at that hand to heal up so we can get him back to the right hand of fellowship. He's in that left hand fellowship. Miss Susan? Hey, Mike, praise the Lord for that. Miss Carol? Just want to praise God for his continuing provision and mercy. Hey, Amen. He, he is good to us, good to us. Better than, better than we realize. I believe there's coming a day when we're going to get to glory and he's going to roll out the, roll out the screen and we're going to recognize, wow, he was way better to us than we ever recognized or ever gave him credit for. Amen. Amen. Anyone else? Anyone else? Oh, uh, Miss Heather, go ahead. Can't be a good hound, that's for sure. Keep you in shape, that's right. <laughs> they all hounds to me. Anyway, all right, anyone else? Anyone else? Psalm 19, Psalm 19. We're going to look this evening at this thought of benefiting from the book. I tell you, if there's anything that is changing in my relationship with Christ. The longer I serve the Lord, the longer I follow the Lord, the thing that I see in myself that is continually developing and continually getting better and better and better is my relationship with this book. I'm telling you what, there is nothing like this book. I've read this book as long as I've known how to read. I've been reading portions of the book, been reading it through and spending time in this Bible, but I'm telling you what, it seems like every day that goes by, it gets sweeter. I want to spend more time in it. I find more treasure in it. And I'm telling you, there is nothing that I love like I love this book. And I find myself just wanting to put aside everything else and just, just read this and get into this. And so this evening, I want to preach a little bit on this thought of benefiting from the book, how to benefit from the book. We're going to be in Psalm 19. We're going to begin reading in verse number 7 and read down through verse number 11. The Bible says here, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great 
reward. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Lord, it's good to be in your house this evening. Lord, I thank you for the sweet spirit, Lord, of recognizing your goodness to us, recognizing how you take care of us, you watch over us, you provide for us. Lord, you meet our needs. Father, you treat us better than we ever deserve to be treated. And Father, you bestow your goodness upon us. And Father, we thank you for it. We thank you, Lord, how you've met specific needs. We thank you, dear Lord, how you've kept us safe in ways that, Lord, maybe we even didn't and understand the extent of the risk and let, yet Lord you watched over us Lord you provided for us and uh, Lord you've worked the timing of things in our life and Father we could go on and on and on thanking you for your goodness. Now fathers we begin to look at this passage of scripture uh, concerning the benefits of your book. Father I pray that you will develop in us a hunger uh, and a desire Father to spend more and more time uh, uh, learning of you and learning of your word and put putting your word in our hearts that, Father, Lord, uh, we might develop a relationship with you uh, and, Lord, that we might be strengthened uh, in our daily life and we might be empowered to take the gospel to the world around us. Father, thank you for your goodness. Bless now as we look at your word and, Father, we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Here in this passage of Scripture, uh, this uh, Psalm 19, many times we sing verse 7 through 10, uh, has been put to music and learned to sing that as a child and uh, sing that passage of Scripture, but it's a, a passage uh, uh, that gives us a clear picture of the value uh, of the Word of God. The verse 7 down through verse number 11 is a song of praise uh, of all the attributes uh, found in the precious uh, Word of God. The Bible is filled with good information. Uh, every story that we find in the Word of God, every chapter, every verse, uh, every page con contains uh, a source of strength and wisdom for you and I. This book is the answer to every question you may face. It has the, the, the reasoning to help you make decisions. It has a guideline that will help you through life. This book has everything that we need to know. But unless I access what is in this book, this book will never be a benefit to me. Unless I get into it and I understand it and I apply it, all the wealth and all the wisdom that is in the book will never be of any benefit to me. However, when I learn to utilize this book, I will find in this book that God can provide everything that I need. So this evening I want to look at how we can gain the most benefit from the precious Word of God. I believe the first step to utilizing the Word of God is first of all to become familiar with its contents. The first thing that we can do that we might be able to gain from this book is to become familiar with this book. You know what? It's a sad state, but there are many Christians, professing Christians, there are many folks who are affiliated with churches who do not know the interior of this book. They know that it looks nice. They know that it makes for a good photo prop. They know that it looks good in the house. They they know they need to carry it to church, but they have no understanding of what is inside the covers of this book. They have no understanding of how Genesis ties to Revelation. They have no understanding of how the Gospels tell the story of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we could go on and on and on, but this book is filled with what we need, and there's so many who do not understand 
what this book has in it. I believe the first thing we need to do if we're going to benefit from this book is we need to become familiar with this book. In Deuteronomy chapter number 6 and verse number 6, the Bible says, And these words, which I command thee this day, shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up, and thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes, and thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and on thy gates. The Bible is telling us here the importance of familiarity with the Word of God. In Job 23 and verse number 12, Job said, Neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than, the, more than my necessary food. I believe that if we're going to gain from this book, we need to become familiar with this book. I remember, and I've told y'all before, when I was a teenager, I guess I was about 15, 16 years old, I determined that I was going to read the book of Proverbs through every week. And so I read five chapters a day in the book of Proverbs, and then I'd read the book of Proverbs through every week, and I did that for a couple of years. And I'm telling you, I became so familiar with the book of Proverbs. My sister decided that she was going to try to memorize the book of Proverbs in a competition, and I had never attempted to memorize Proverbs, but she would be reciting the portion that she was trying to memorize and she would get stuck and I would prompt her. I would just tell her the next word. It was right there. I was familiar with it. I knew what she needed. I had read it and read it. I had never tried to memorize it, never even considered memorizing it, but because I had read it so often, I had become familiar with it. You say, now Pastor John, this is a big book. Oh my goodness, that is a big book. How do you become familiar with a book that big? I mean, time you get all the way through it, you done forgot where you started at. You got to go back and start over again. And boy, I mean, it just takes you forever to get all the way through that thing again. And it's hard. It takes a long time to get familiar with it. Well, one thing I'll say about that is I believe that somewhat that is true. But the more familiar you get with it, the more you enjoy it. See, for 40 some years... I've been reading this book and I believe that I'm starting to get familiar with it. And now that I'm getting familiar with it, I'm just loving it more and more and more. Oh my goodness, it's just making so much sense and it's just tying together and it's just rich and it's full. You've got to become familiar with it. But the other thing that I want to say is it's not as hard to get familiar with it as we might think. Now we're going to go maybe into just a little bit of a negative direction here, uh, but then we'll come back to the exciting parts about the Bible. But we're going to point out that I believe it's not as difficult to get familiar uh, with the Word of God. It's not as difficult to find time to read this book as you may think that it is. You say, well, how long does it really take to read the Bible? How long does it really take to read it all the way through? Most folks would say that you can read the Bible from cover to cover in 70 hours and 40 minutes. That's uh, out loud 
in at a pulpit speed. So the way that I read Psalm 119 in the mornings when we start the service, when I'm reading it with trying to put some color and some inflection into it, reading it aloud at that speed, you can read the Bible from cover to cover in 70 hours and 40 minutes. I told Melissa that I don't know that I could ever sit still that long, but I've often thought that, man, I would love to just, just sit down and just read it all the way through, eat my meals and just keep on reading, but I know that I would go completely crazy before I got done. Uh, but boy, just read it all the way through. 70 hours and 40 minutes is what it takes to read the Bible. It takes 52 hours and 20 minutes to read the Old Testament. It takes 18 hours and 20 minutes to read the New Testament all the way through. And again, that's reading aloud at a pulpit speed. If you break that down by the book, and I've got some pictures on the screen for you here. If you break that down by the book, uh, hopefully you can maybe make out what you see there. Uh, it takes three and a half hours to read the book of Genesis. Three hours to read the book of Exodus, uh, two hours to read Leviticus, three hours to read Numbers, uh, two and a half hours to read Deuteronomy, and we can go on down through here. The book of Ruth only takes 15 minutes. Uh, uh, the book of Ezra is 40 minutes. Nehemiah is one hour. Esther is 30 minutes. It takes five hours to read the book of Psalms. So it takes you a little while to get through the book of Psalms. I believe that's the longest one. Uh, that is on the list here. If you go to the next slide there, we look and see that you can read uh, Proverbs in an hour and... Uh, yeah, that's 75 threw me off there. But anyway, a little more than an hour and a half. Anyway, hour and three quarters, you can read the book of Proverbs. Uh, Ecclesiastes in a half hour. Song of Solomon is 20 minutes. Uh, the book of Joel is 12 minutes. You can read Obadiah in four minutes. You know what? If you're really, hurt, you're really in a big hurry, you can always take in Obadiah before you leave. He's got right there. You can slide that one in. Uh, you can read the book of Nahum in eight minutes. Malachi only takes 11 minutes. On your next slide there, you can read the book of Matthew in two and a half hours. You can read the book of Mark in an hour and a half. You can read the book of Luke in two and a half hours. You can read the book of John in two hours. Now, I will just pause right here and say, from my experience, Luke takes longer than the other three. It just seems like I can never get through Luke. Man, I mean, it just takes a while to get through Luke. But the Gospels, all of them, about two hours. You can read any of the Gospels. Acts, a little over two hours. Romans, you can read it through in an hour. First Corinthians, you can read it through in an hour. Uh, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians combined, you can read through in just a little bit over an hour, all four of those epistles. If you go to the next slide, uh, you see that you can read uh, uh, 1 Timothy in 16 minutes, 2 Timothy 11 minutes, uh, Titus in 7 minutes, Philemon is 3 minutes, uh, uh, Hebrews 45 minutes. Uh, uh, you drop down to the bottom there, and if Obadiah is too long, you can pick either 2 John or 3 John. They're only 2 minutes long. You can knock those out. Uh, uh, Jude is four minutes. Revelation uh, just a little over an hour. So you say, well, Pastor John, I see breaking them down like that. It uh, does make it seem a little more digestible, but that's 66 of them. That adds up again to a lot of time. How, how do we find the time to familiarize ourselves with this book? Now, the next thing that I'm going to share with you, I hope is not true of you. And this is an average, and so that means that there are some who are in excess of this. There are some who are less than this, and so I'm hoping that we're all on the lower end of this. Uh, uh, but this is some pretty startling statistics. If you'll go ahead and pop that next slide up, uh, we see here the daily amount of time that people spend 
with media. This was put together in June of 2022. Uh, people average spending almost seven hours on the internet uh, every day of their life. Some of that is work-related. Some of it is not work-related. Seven hours on the internet. Uh, uh, we look at in interacting with social media too and a half hours is the average that people spend on social media. Watching television, three and a half hours is the average that people spend watching television. Uh, listening to music is an hour and a half. Playing uh, gaming and that type of thing is a little over an hour. This is the average in June 22, or June of 22, this was the average time that people are spending interacting with media. Now if you just take and add that up real quick, you'll find that we've read almost the New Testament in the time that we spent on digital media. It varies at who you look at, but according to insider intelligence, all the numbers vary a little bit, but according to insider intelligence, when we combine the time spent on TV, Internet, and digital media, U.S. adults, this is not talking about children, this is 18 and older, U.S. adults spend 13 hours and 11 minutes a day interacting with media in 2022. I'm not sure where they find 13 hours to spend interacting with digital media, but I do know that is far too much. Estimates suggest uh, that in 2022, uh, uh, U.S. adults spend an average, as we see here, around three hours watching TV every day. On an average, people spend three hours and 15 minutes on their phones per day. This is uh, separated. Some of the statistics you look at would combine the, the, you know, whenever they're using the phone and watching TV at the same time. This is separate. Uh, so three hours on TV, three hours and 15 minutes on their phone. Uh, this says, this, uh, this is explodingtopics.com. They said that phones, uh, people average checking their phone 58 times a day. They pull it out and check it 58 times a day. This is the average time that people are spending. Now, like I said, I hope that we're all way, way on the low end of that. But I do believe that if all of us were honest, we'd have to say, I probably do have more than 15 minutes to spend reading the Word of God. You know what, a lot of times we, we, whenever we have our devotion time, if it's when we get up in the morning or if it's before we go to bed or uh, if we do it after our dinner, whatever it is, whenever your time is to read the Word of God, we get it out and sometimes it can seem really difficult to sit there for 15 minutes and read the Word of God. And boy, people will sit there and we're like, oh, man, this is just, hey, what time is it? I've, oh, only three minutes. I don't know. This is so hard to read. And we just wonder how can we ever get it done? when we find out that we could probably spend a lot more time in the Word of God. And you would be amazed how much of the Word of God you can consume when we start putting away these things that don't matter. Now, I will agree with you. The Bible is written maybe in a vernacular that's not what we commonly speak now. I will say the more you read it, the more you speak it. But... We have a vernacular that's maybe not quite what the Bible was written in. And so when you begin to read the Bible, at times it may become laborious to read. 
It may become tiring to read, and, and it's difficult to stay with it, and your, your brain becomes tired. You begin to get drowsy, and it's hard to push through. And I agree that that probably uh, is a very true thing that people face. So how do we get beyond that? Well, I've hiked on the Appalachian Trail here locally. Uh, my brother and I, Joe and I, uh, we've, we've hiked here on the Appalachian Trail, and uh, we've done some 8, 10-mile hikes. We've did a couple 30-mile hikes here uh, locally on the Appalachian Trail. But whenever you're hiking on the Appalachian Trail, never fail that you'll meet these people who refer to themselves as through-hikers. That means that they started either in Georgia or Maine and they're going to the other location. They're going to hike all the way up the coast. They're going to cover all, I forget, 2,500 miles, something like that. They're going to hike every bit of it. They are a through-hiker. And there are two types of through-hikers you'll meet. You'll meet one through-hiker who has trained and trained and trained and trained and trained to do this hike. And he's out there, and I mean, he is just huffing and puffing. He's putting down tracks. He's doing his best to knock it out as fast as he can. Then you'll meet this other guy who is just laboring along. I mean, one step after another, he's just laboring along, laboring along. And we've talked to some of these people, you know, as we stop to take a break or whatever, we talk to them. And something we have been told several times is that if you want to do the Appalachian Trail, the best way to do it is just start. It's the best way to do it. You say, well, wouldn't you, don't you need to train? Well, some of these guys train so that they can run the thing and, and not see any of the scenery and just put their name on a record book. But the best way to do it is just start. And they say what happens if you do that straight off the couch onto the Appalachian Trail. First day, you might get four or five miles. Second day, you might get two or three. The third day, you might just sleep all day. And after a bit, uh, uh, you will begin to recognize that constantly getting up every morning and doing the Appalachian Trail, that by the time they get to the end, that they are most of the time in better shape and more fit and able to do more miles than the guys who trained and trained and trained before they started. So my, my example to you is uh, that, yes, I agree reading the Word of God can be laborious, uh, but just keep at it and keep at it, and keep at it. And the more you do it, uh, the more familiar you'll get with it. The more familiar you get with it, uh, the easier you'll get to read. Uh, and you'll find out that before long, uh, you can just sit down and take in tremendously big passages of Scripture, and you can just read and read and read and read. And it isn't laborious anymore. Why? Because you just did it. You just got up and decided you were going to become familiar with the Word of God. This is our lifeline, and if I, I think if there is anything that is important to the child of God, it is that we become familiar with the Word of God. I think the downfall of Christianity is that this book has become a symbol and no longer something we live by. And I believe that we need to put aside all these distractions and get back to living by the book. So how we get the most out of it, first of all, we become familiar with it. Secondly, I believe if we're going to benefit from this book, we need to thoroughly search its pages, thoroughly search its pages. In John 5 and verse number 39, the Bible says, Search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they, the Scriptures, are they which testify of me. If you want to find what the Bible has to offer, you must Dig in. First, you need to get familiar with it, and then you need to learn to dig in. The other morning I was reading 
And uh, I, was, I was in the book of Genesis, and I was reading, and as I was reading along, I thought, you know what? I ought to, I ought to look for outlines as I'm going through here. I ought to, I ought to just stop and, and see if I see any sermon outlines as I'm reading through this passage of Scripture. And I'm telling you what, it was like the Lord just come down and said, there's one right there. You're looking at it. And uh, sure enough, there it was. Man, awesome outline. I started to preach it tonight. I was like, man, that's good. I'm going to just preach that. Uh, but then the next morning, I was reading, and I thought, all right, Lord, is there another outline? And bam, gave me another outline. Now, that doesn't happen every day. But you know what? If we pay attention, there are treasures in the Word of God. It is full of treasures. And if we want to get what the Bible has to offer, uh, we have to dig in. You know, any book, it doesn't matter what the subject is, cannot benefit you unless you open the book. Uh, you can build your house in a library, but unless you read the books, they'll never benefit you. In 2013, statistics stated, and that was 2013, I imagine this is much higher now, uh, but it stated that approximately 5,922,000,000 Google searches were performed every day. That's a lot of Google searches. Imagine if we treated the Word of God as valuable as we treat Google. God's given us a life manual, but we've got to open it. The next way we can utilize the Word of God is to carefully examine its truths. Carefully examine its truths. Acts 17 and verse number 11 says, These were more noble than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the Word with all readiness of mind and searched the Scriptures daily whether those things were so. We have got to be people who examine what the Bible says. Look into it. Make sure that we have an understanding of the Word of God. I had originally planned to preach a different parable this morning. I was said that that was the, the one we were supposed to, to, to teach on. And, and all through the week, I've been reading and studying and looking at it. And I, and I come down to it and I'm like... There's, there's something here that I'm missing. There's something here that I'm missing. I go back and read it again and read over that parable again and read it again and read it again. And I'm like, I'm not able to preach this yet because there's something I don't quite have a handle on here. So I go read some commentaries on it. And I'm like, nope, brother, I'm afraid you're wrong. You're missing something. There's something in that parable. And I'd go back and read the parable. I'd come and read uh, uh, some sermons that other people had preached on. And I'd come back to the parable. Finally, I was like, Lord, uh, we're running out of time. Can we maybe move to a different? parable. We'll come back to this one. Uh, we've got to learn to examine the truth. Uh, but you know what? A lot of times uh, we just take what somebody else says for granted. We never look into it ourselves. Uh, uh, we do not try to find if that's what the Bible says. Uh, uh, we don't try to dig in and understand it. Uh, uh, we just go along. And now if you're the only person that thinks what you think about the Bible, then that might not be a good thing. <laughs> But you know what? There's a lot of times there are people who are promoting false doctrines about the Word of God and if we don't take time to examine it, we may be missing the truth of the Word of God. If we're going to benefit from the Word of God, we've got to carefully examine the truths of the Word of God. In addition to searching and examining, I believe it's important that we purposefully meditate on the applications of the Word of God. Purposefully meditate on the applications of the Word of God. Psalm verse number, chapter number 1 and verse number 2 says, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Psalm 119 verse number 15 says, I will meditate in thy precepts and have respect unto 
thy ways. Do you ever just meditate? You know what? Meditating is a lost art to our society. We are so busy and we have so many inputs that it's almost impossible to meditate. And when there is an opportunity to meditate, we don't know how to do it. But the Bible teaches us that we are to meditate on His Word. You know what? Many times we read the Word of God and, and we, we read the Bible and we get our devotions done and we close the Bible and before we even get up out of the chair, we're already checking our cell phone, we're already turning the television on, getting in our vehicle and turning the radio on and whatever we read is forgotten within 15 to 20 minutes of reading it because we don't take time to meditate on it. The Bible teaches us that we need to meditate. Why is meditation important? You remember when Christ was born in Bethlehem. The Bible says the heavenly host appeared. But nobody's seen them but the shepherds. You see, when you're busy, you can't hear what's being said. You know what? Many times you need to read a passage of Scripture and then you just need to let the Spirit mull that over in your mind over and over and over and over again. Just let it roll in your mind and roll in your mind and think on it and think on it. Meditate on it. Boy, I'm telling you, sometimes the best study is whenever, whenever I read a passage and I know this is what the Lord's leading me to preach on and I read it and I'll read it several times and I'll, I'll get it good and ingrained in my mind and then I'll just go outside. Many times it'll be after dark and everybody else is doing some things and I'll just go outside on the porch and I'll just sit down on the steps and I'll just sit there and look up at the stars and say, all right, Lord, tell me what you want me to say. Open your word to me. Show me what is in the scriptures and, and I'll just try to block out everything else that is going on and just roll that passage of scripture over my mind over and over and over and over. Meditate on his word. You know what the Bible says? Be still and know that I am God. And there's a lot of Christians who have never been still. But I'm telling you what, you will find that whenever you settle down and be still and give God opportunity, He will open the truths of His Word to you in a way that you have never seen before. <clears throat> Another way we can utilize the Word of God is to openly delight in its promises. Openly delight in its promises. In Psalm 119 and verse number 16, the Bible says, I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. In Psalm 119, 47, he says, And I will delight myself in thy commandments, which I have Love. Now, it's no secret that God's Word is filled from cover to cover with the promises of God. It is no secret that this book uh, tells us that there are unlimited un things that God will do for those that love Him. This book is full of the promises of God, but I believe uh, that you and I need to be people who openly delight in those promises. There are promises for today. There's promises for tomorrow. There's promises for our family. There's promises for ourselves, promises for the future, promises for eternity. Uh, and the more you read and understand the Word of God, the more you understand those promises, uh, the more you experience the joy of those promises. What better way to utilize the Word of God than to openly delight in His promises? In other words, let people see you living in the confidence of what God said. 
let people see in me that I am living in full confidence of what God said. Oftentimes we talk about the promises, but we worry just like everybody else does. We talk about the promises of God, but we about what's going on just like everybody else does. We talk about the promises of God, but we seem to be without hope just like everybody else is. I believe that we can utilize this book when we actually begin to live in the confidence that what he said is true, living in the confidence of his word. I've probably told you about it before. Boy, just a wonderful memory. I was just a young man, probably 12, 13, 14 years old. I don't remember exactly, and we had run completely out of food. That's no lie, no exaggeration. Dad uh, was making about nine or $10,000 a year. He was trying to help a church get back on its feet. Uh, uh, we didn't have anything. Uh, and we were uh, dead broke. We had run completely out of food. There was no food in the house. Uh, Dad told us, he said, don't y'all worry. God's going to provide us some food. Uh, and we're like, well, I, you know, uh, thank you, Dad. That's pretty good of you. He said, nope, I believe it. God's going to provide us some food. And he goes downstairs to the basement, gets an empty 50-pound tater bag, uh, and he puts that thing over top of his head and goes rocking back and forth up and down the living room and through the kitchen saying praise the Lord, praise the Lord, glory to God, praise the Lord. Got that tater sack over his head. He can't even see where he's going. Here he goes. He's just praising the Lord, praising the Lord, praising the Lord. You read about this in books, don't you? I got to experience this. I mean, here he goes. He's praising God. We don't have anything to eat. The tater sack is empty and he's praising the Lord and while he's praising the Lord, guess what? Somebody shows up with a truckload of food. Amen. Now, you know what my dad could have sat there and he could have wrung his hands and worried. Oh, kids, I don't know what we're going to do, kids. I don't know. We don't have any food. I'm, I'm sorry, kids. We don't have any food. But no, he didn't do that. He said, we're going to live in the confidence of his promises. Amen. He said that he would take care of us. And he's going to take care of us. I remember another time, I could tell you these stories about my dad all night long. I remember another time he owed a doctor bill for $1,300 and we was run out of food again. I think we had a little bit, but we was pretty close to being run out. It was getting close to, close to Christmas time. Dad told Mom, he said, I'm going to go over to the church. I'm going to pray a little bit, see if the Lord will take care of this need for us. He went over to the church, was in his office praying, fell asleep, praying there at his desk. Heard a knock on the church door. He got up. Here's an individual, pastor of a church that dad had preached for a couple years prior. They didn't take dad on for support. Dad had never heard from him again. Pastor standing there, he said, Brother Tilly? Dad said, yeah. He said, Brother, last night in the service, the Lord laid you on our heart. And we took up an offering for you. And here it is. He handed dad a bag of money. Dad counted it later. It was $1,300. <laughs> He said, and also, uh, I want you to come outside. He said, if you could show me the way to your house. He said, I got a 15-passenger van here. We can't get any more food in it. It's completely full. He drove it to the house. We unloaded all that food. They had Christmas gifts. They had all kind of things to give to us. And you know what? Dad just kept on praising the Lord. I am going to live in the confidence of the promises of God. He will take care of me. There is nothing out of a testament That'll make your kid a believer than to see their parents living in the confidence of the promises of God. Whenever my dad passed away and we were there at his memorial service, I was able to read a passage of Scripture and say a couple of things. And I told him there in that service that I'm where I'm at because I had a dad 
that there was no question he believed God. Lived according to the promises of God. But then I want to say that another way that we can benefit from this book is to continually memorize its message. Commit it to memory. Now, I know committing things to memory can be difficult. It takes work. It takes effort. And boy, I'm telling you what, I, I, I am constantly fussing at myself, for lack of a better word, fussing at myself that I don't memorize like I used to. Boy, I need to get back in and memorize Scripture like I used to when I was younger because there's so much benefit to memorizing the Word of God. A preacher told me, evangelist told me, right after I was called to preach, he said, Son, if I can tell you anything, I'll tell you this, memorize this book. It'll revolutionize your ministry. And boy, I'm telling you what, he was so, so right. Memorize the Word of God. What's the Bible say about committing it to memory? In Psalm 119.11, we all know this verse, Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Deuteronomy 11.18, Therefore shall ye lay up these my words in your heart and in your soul and bind them for a sign upon your hand that they may be as frontlets between your eyes. Colossians 3 and verse number 16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Psalm 37 verse number 30 says, The mouth of the righteous speaketh wisdom and his tongue talketh of judgment. How does he accomplish this? Verse number 31 tells us uh, the law of his God is in his heart. I'm telling you what, there is nothing that will benefit you as a Christian like committing the word of God to memory. Uh, boy, the Spirit will bring it to your remembrance. Uh, he will help you. He will guide you. He will instruct you. I've got here, I've got some benefits of memorization. Uh, uh, some benefits of memorization. It helps me to conform to the image of Christ. Uh, Whenever I begin to memorize his word, it begins to help me to become Christ-like in my life and in my actions and in all that I do. Not only does it help me conform to the image of Christ, but memorization helps give me victory over sin. You know what? Something that will help you in time of temptation is whenever you can recite the passages of Scripture that instruct you to stay away from the things that you're being tempted with. Memorization gives me victory over sin. Uh, memorization uh, gives me the ability to defeat the devil. You know what? The devil is a big enemy and we do not minimize uh, the fact uh, that he can trip us up. But we need not forget the fact uh, that greater is he that is in me uh, than he that is in the world. And as children of God, each and every one of us uh, have full capability uh, of, th of defeating the devil whenever he comes and tries to get in our way. How can we defeat the devil? Memorizing Scripture is a powerful way to defeat the devil. You look at the temptation of Christ uh, and the devil came trying to tempt Christ and he defeated every temptation. How? Quoting scripture every single time. We look here and we see that memorization also enables us to offer comfort and counsel to friends and family who are hurting or in need. How many times, I know I've been here, how many times has someone that you cared for came to you hoping that you could give them some help out of the Word of God. They knew you were a Christian. They knew you were a churchgoer. They knew that you, you said that you loved God, and they come to you and say, what does the Bible say about? And you had nothing. 
Well, I know the Bible says somewhere. I, I heard a preacher one time say, you want to be able to give comfort and counsel to those who are hurting and in need? Commit it to memory. Commit it to memory. And in those moments, the Spirit will bring it to your mind and you will be able to share the Scriptures with those who need to hear it. Not only that, memorization benefits us also in empowering our ability to share the gospel with unbelievers. Whenever you're sharing the gospel with unbelievers, every one of them is going to be different. Every one of them is going to have a different question. Every one of them is going to have something else that they want answered, a different angle that they're going to need approached from. And if we've committed the word of God to memory, it will empower us in our ability to share the gospel with sinners. And then I believe that the memorizing the word of God benefits us in that it enables us to have a much richer relationship with God a much richer relationship with God. On more than one occasion, I've been away from my Bible, away from my study tools, maybe working, maybe hunting, who knows what, and I begin to think about something. And I say, Lord, what does the, what does the Bible say about that? What's the, how, what, how does the Bible approach that? And verse after verse after verse after verse, the Lord will bring them to memory. Stuff that I've committed to memory as a child or as a young person. Stuff that I've put away in my heart and the Lord will bring them back and many times be able to find the answer to what I'm looking for with never even having to open the Word of God because it's been committed to memory. We read of churches that were persecuted. Their Bibles were taken away from them and they would rewrite entire books of the Bible, entire portions of the Word of God as church member after church member would get together and they would quote the Scripture write it down. You know what? I enjoy our church services. I believe that the Lord meets with us and I love coming together and worship. But can you imagine that church service? Amen. Somebody sitting there at the table with the pen and the paper. And everybody else is standing around and this one begins to quote. We'll go with the verse we all know. For God so loved and I'm writing it down. And this guy over here says, the world, the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And boy, they just quote back and forth to one another and write that scripture down. And entire books of the Bible, entire portions of the word of God have been written back down. Why? Because Christians committed it to memory. You know what? The wicked may take this book from me, but if I've put it in my heart, they can't never take that away from me. Benefits of memorizing Scripture. And then last of all, this evening, I believe that in addition to all that we've looked at so far, I believe that if we're going to utilize His Word, we need to regularly declare the power of the Word of God. Psalm 119 verse number 13 says, With my lips... Have I declared all the judgments of thy mouth? In Psalm 40 in verse number 8 down through verse number 10, he says, I delight to do thy will, O God, yea, thy law is within my heart. I have preached righteousness in the great congregation. Lo, I have not refrained my lips, O Lord, thou knowest. I have not hid thy righteousness within my heart. I have declared thy faithfulness and thy salvation. I have not concealed thy loving kindness and thy truth from the great conversation. What is the purpose of the word of God? But to declare the gospel message of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the purpose of this book, to declare the gospel message of the Lord Jesus Christ. From cover to cover, everything that is written is written for the purpose of revealing to you and I the Savior of all mankind. If we're going to utilize this book, not only do we benefit from it, 
but we need to be proclaiming it. We need to be declaring it. We need to be sharing it. We need to be telling the world of the hope, of the power, of the life-changing work that can be found in the Word of God. This evening, I ask this question, are you benefiting from the book? Are you benefiting from the book? Are you spending time in the book? Are you reading the book? Is the book blessing you? Is this book just a symbol of your religion? Or is it a book you live by? Is it a book you practice? I've been meditating on preaching a message for some time now, and I just, just, it's just on the back burner. You have them sometimes, Brother Rick, they're just kind of in the back, you know, and you just add a little something to the pot every once in a while. Uh, I've been meditating on preaching this message on do we really believe the book? Do we really believe it? Boy, I'm telling you, as I look at the way Christians conduct their lives nowadays, I'm like, do we really believe the book? I ask you, is this just a symbol of your religion or is it a book you live by? Are you benefiting from the book? Are you sharing the book? Are you telling others about the book? I believe if we're going to be the people that God wants us to be, we need to be people who are in the Word of God. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your Word. Lord, I thank you that we live in a country, Father, where your word is so available. Lord, you have blessed us with the ability, uh, Lord, not to just have one copy, uh, Lord, but to be able to have multiple copies and, and, and copies that are published with a, with a high degree of detail and very valuable books. And Lord, we're able to take them and we're able to keep them. We're able to have multiples of them. And Father, I thank you, Lord, that we have the Word of God so readily available to us. Father, uh, many times whenever something, uh, Lord, becomes commonplace, Lord, it loses, uh, uh, Lord, the importance it loses its value. And Father, I believe that uh, in some cases, Lord, many times here in the U.S., uh, Lord, the book has lost its preciousness. Father, I pray that you will help us as Christians to be people that dig into the book. Uh, Lord, that we spend time reading the book, that we become familiar with the book. Uh, uh, Lord, we understand it, we memorize it, uh, we share it, and Lord, that it changes our life and the life of those around us. Thank you, Lord, for each one that is here this evening. Thank you, Lord, for their faithfulness. I pray, dear Lord, that you be with each one. Lord, as we go out throughout this week, Lord, as we go to our different uh, responsibilities, obligations, careers, and whatever it is, Father, I pray that you will bless each one of us. I pray, dear Lord, that you will help us to be a light, uh, help us to be a witness, Father, in all the different areas and all the different places that we go. Uh, oh Lord, may we be a testimony uh, of the hope that is in Christ Jesus, Father, I pray. I pray, dear Lord, you bring us back to your house again on Wednesday and again on the Lord's Day. Father, we'll praise you for it. Bless us now and we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you. You are dismissed. <laughs>